you're on right now with Jim Dawes. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. Coming to you on the Mojo 5.0 radio network and streaming on demand on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. Follow me on Twitter at RightNowJimDawes. Or shoot me an email at RightNowJimDawes at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. You can leave a voicemail at 772-245-0750. That number again, 772-245-0750. Well, all right, all right, all right. Yesterday's show, we uh, we took you up through the uh, Judiciary Committee hearing for Robert Mueller, and uh, and today I was going to um, do extended clips from the Intelligence Committee. I'm not going to do that. I think we know exactly what uh, what happened yesterday, or at least most people think they do. Uh, the the narrative that came out of yesterday's hearing uh, was that uh, Robert Mueller is a doddering old fool who is apparently suffering from uh, early stage dementia and that, uh, yes, he was not in charge of this team and it's clearly uh, because he has been taken advantage of. I tell you, I'm not buying it. I think what has happened here is uh, Robert Mueller was brought in as a figurehead so that they could put a Republican moniker on this whole effort. He immediately, upon being appointed and getting past uh, you know, any objections from the Republican side while they were all praising his rectitude and, and uh, integrity, turned right around and, uh, and did what it took to protect the deep state by appointing a team of rabid partisan Democrats, most of them Hillary Clinton acolytes, many of them actually in Clinton's orbit and having been previously employed by them, in order to engage in this two-year-long cover-up that they've done. And uh, at, one, at some point, uh, it was all going to come to a head. Now, I believe when Robert Mueller took this assignment, he believed that it would result in either the resignation or the uh, impeachment of Donald Trump. In any case, I think he made it quite clear from that uh, press conference that he had about, I guess it's been three weeks ago now, where he said he he didn't have anything to add, that he uh, didn't intend to testify. That was his final word on the matter. The, um, the crazy uh, Trump-deranged Democrats in the House of Representatives uh, had other plans but um, I think what is going on here is Robert Mueller is feigning this um, you know doddering old man act in order to distance himself uh, from his own report or at least the report that bears his name it is in fact the Andrew Weissman report Weissman dossier if you will and as time goes on, it will be, become more and more clear that this, uh, this whole effort by the special counsel's office was a, probably the worst case of pr- prosecutorial abuse 
in our nation's history. And I think that Robert Mueller went into those hearings yesterday understanding that he could not answer the questions uh, related to why he turned a blind eye to the actual Russian interference in the election that took place on the uh, Democrats' side, that he could not answer for the abuses that he had heaped upon uh, Trump associates while turning a blind eye to uh, everybody that was involved in this uh, frame job that they tried to put on the Trump campaign. And so I think he came up with a convenient excuse that he's got a poor memory, that he's not too sharp, that he can't hear you, that he doesn't understand, that he didn't run the the um, the investigation himself so that he could, uh, you know, uh, ride off into the sunset and, uh, and, and, you know, just be thought of as, oh, well, you know, he was past his prime and it wasn't his fault. If you look at Robert Mueller's history, you, you can see that he has a history of engaging in abuses of his office, both as FBI director and as a U.S. attorney in Boston and uh, in California and Washington, D.C. And especially when it comes to uh, covering up from wrong, for wrongdoing in the Justice Department or the FBI, he has a... <laughs> Uh, track record of uh, of abuse so even though i myself engaged in a bit of fun last night on twitter <laughs> at robert mueller's expense i think at one point i tweeted out um, someone should check to make sure robert mueller found his way home after the hearings and that i was surprised that he had not shown up in his house coat and slippers the truth of the matter is, I believe it was all an act. I really do. Uh, I do not believe that Robert Mueller does not know who Fusion GPS was. But by uh, acting as if he's totally unfamiliar with this report, he can dis- distance himself from this report and then claim ignorance when all of the abuses really uh, come to light. So, uh, as far as the afternoon session, and I, I, I just think it's uh, much more informative and actually more entertaining, or at least it is for me. I, I don't know, you know, uh, uh, if it is for the audience for a fact, but uh, it's it's more entertaining for me to actually hear long form clips of the Republicans who were loaded for bear. They uh, they put put on a, uh, a, a really a tour de force going after Mueller yesterday, and I think it's just fabulous that the Democrats are so stupid that they put Robert Mueller in the position of having to face cross examination after this two year debacle by these uh, these Republicans who who had some pointed questions. Mueller, again and again, both in the morning session before judiciary and the afternoon session before Intel, claimed that he couldn't remember, that he didn't know, referred people to the report, said he couldn't answer, uh, pretended like he couldn't hear. 
it was uh, it was really something to see. But the Republicans just uh, tore him to bits. The, the, the idea that he could not answer why they never charged Joseph Smith's sued or uh, claimed that he doesn't know who Fusion GPS is or that he was unaware that uh, Valinette Skyoff, the Russian lawyer that they tried to set up um, the Trump team with at that Trump Tower meeting, was working for Fusion GPS is an absurdity. But Mueller wants to distance himself for all, from all the prosecutorial misconduct, like, uh, uh, you know, the uh, prosecution of Roger Stone and General Flynn and George Papadopoulos. And so he's pretending to be uh, suffer from Alzheimer's or something. So the only clip, and it is going to be an extended clip, that I'm going to play you from the afternoon session is actually uh, Devin Nunes. <laughs> A lot of a lot of the uh, left wing um, like to make fun of Dev, Devin Nunes because he is a uh, a dairy farmer from the Inland Empire in uh, California. I think it's the twenty second congressional district out there, and he is he's a farmer by trade, and he's got more sense than just about anybody well he's got more sense than any of the democrats for sure and as far as a uh, broad overview of what uh, we've been drugged through for the last two and a half years there is nobody that uh, says it more succinctly or powerfully than devin nunez so i'm going to pay you about a five minute clip here he's the ranking member on the uh, intel committee so after bobblehead adam shift uh, finished his um, unhinged opening statement. Uh, Devin Nunez gave his uh, his opening statement. Welcome, everyone, to the last gasp of the Russia collusion conspiracy theory. As Democrats continue to foist this spectacle on the American people, as well as you, Mr. Mueller, the American people may recall the media first began spreading this conspiracy theory in the spring of 2016. When Fusion GPS, funded by the DNC and the Hillary Clinton campaign, started developing the Steele dossier, a collection of outlandish accusations that Trump and his associates were Russian agents. Fusion GPS, Steele, and other Confederates fed these absurdities to naive or partisan reporters and to top officials in numerous government agencies, including the FBI, the Department of Justice, and the State Department. Among other things, the FBI used dossier allegations to obtain a warrant to spy on the Trump campaign. Despite acknowledging dossier allegations as being salacious and unverified, former FBI Director James Comey briefed those allegations to President Obama and President-elect Trump. Those briefings conveniently leaked to the press resulting in the publication of the dossier and launching thousands of false press stories based on the word of a foreign ex-spy, one who admitted he was desperate that Trump lose the election and who was eventually fired as an FBI source for leaking to the press. After Comey himself was fired by his own admission, he leaked derogatory information on President Trump 
to the press for the specific purpose, and successfully so, of engineering the appointment of a special counsel who sits here before us today. The FBI investigation was marred by further corruption and bizarre abuses. Top DOJ official Bruce Orr, whose own wife worked on Fusion GPS's anti-Trump operation, fed Steele's information to the FBI even after the FBI fired Steele. The top FBI investigator and his lover, another top FBI official, constantly texted about how much they hated Trump and wanted to stop him from being elected. And the entire investigation was open based not on Five Eyes intelligence, but on a tip from a foreign politician about a conversation involving Joseph Mifsud. He's a Maltese diplomat who's widely portrayed as a Russian agent, but seems to have far more connections with Western governments, including our own FBI and our own State Department, than with Russia. Brazenly ignoring all these red flags, as well as the transparent absurdity of the claims they are making, the Democrats have argued for nearly three years that evidence of collusion is hidden just around the corner. Like the Loch Ness Monster, they insist it's there, even if no one can find it. Consider this. In March 2017, Democrats on this committee said they had more than circumstantial evidence of collusion, but they couldn't reveal it yet. Mr. Mueller was soon appointed, and they said he would find the collusion. Then when no collusion was found in Mr. Mueller's indictments, the Democrats said we'd find it in his final report. Then when there was no collusion in the report, we were told Attorney General Barr was hiding it. Then when it was clear Barr wasn't hiding anything, we were told it will be revealed through a hearing with Mr. Mueller himself. And now that Mr. Mueller is here, they are claiming that the collusion has actually been in his report all along, hidden in plain sight. And they're right. There is collusion in plain sight. Collusion between Russia and the Democratic Party. The Democrats colluded with Russian sources to develop the Steele dossier. And Russian lawyer Natalia Vesnoskaya colluded with the dossier's key architect, Fusion GPS head Glenn Simpson. The Democrats have already admitted, both in interviews and through their usual anonymous statements to reporters, that today's hearing is not about getting information at all. They said they want to, quote, bring the Mueller report to life and create a television moment through ploys like having Mr. Mueller recite passages from his own report. In other words, this hearing is political theater. It's a Hail Mary attempt to convince the American people that collusion is real and that it's concealed in the report. Granted, that's a strange argument to make about a report that is public. It's almost like the Democrats prepared arguments accusing Mr. Barr of hiding the report and didn't bother to update their claims once he published the entire thing. Among congressional Democrats, the Russia investigation was never about finding the truth. It's always been a simple media operation by their own accounts, this operation continues in this room today. Once again, numerous pressing issues this committee needs to address are put on hold to indulge the political fantasies of people who believed it was their destiny to serve Hillary Clinton's administration. It's time for the curtain to close on the Russia hoax. The conspiracy theory is dead. At some point, I would argue, we're gonna have to get back to work
Until then, I yield back the balance of my time. Outstanding, outstanding summation of what went down yesterday, even though it was the opening statement for the Intelligence uh, Committee hearing. It was exactly dead on. The Democrats refused to give this up. I, I assume that they have entirely lost uh, their their ability to admit they're wrong at this point. Actually, you know, that's not even correct. They've known they were wrong all along. They just... Uh, th- they thought that somehow they would be able to gin this up into a, an impeachment uh, charge. And, uh, and even yesterday, you had uh, Ted Lieu, this, uh, this representative from California, who tricked uh, Bob Mueller into saying that uh, were it not for the opinion of the Office of Legal Counsel that you can't indict a sitting president, that they would have indicted Trump. And Ted Lieu ran right out after the hearings to the uh, to the cameras and said, "We got him now. We got him now." This is just one problem. Um, Mueller came back after the lunch break, and his first statement uh, before the Judiciary Committee took it all back. Now, before we go to questions, I want to add one correction to my testimony this morning. I want to go back to one thing that was said this morning by Mr. Liu, who said, and I quote, you didn't charge the president because of the OLC opinion. That is not the correct way to say it. As we say in the report, and as I said at the opening, we did not reach a determination as to whether the president committed the crime. (laughs) That's not the right way to say it. See, this is what happens when you ignore the basic tenets of Western jurisprudence and try to smear someone by saying that you are unable to find them innocent, when in fact that is never the standard by which uh, guilt or innocence are judged in our legal system. A uh, prosecutor either has enough evidence to bring a case if he thinks he can find a defendant guilty or he remains mute it's not his job to find anybody innocent or to declare that they have been um vindicated or, or um exonerated and um and i'll just play you this one clip with radcliffe this is a short clip i played you the long one yesterday explaining it to quite powerfully Can you give me an example other than Donald Trump where the Justice Department determined that an investigated person was not exonerated because their innocence was not conclusively determined? I I cannot, but this is a unique situation. Okay, well, you can't. Time is short. I've got five minutes. Let's just leave it at you can't find it because I'll tell you why. It doesn't exist. The special counsel's job, nowhere does it say that you were to conclusively determine Donald Trump's innocence or that the special counsel report should determine whether or not to exonerate him. It's not in any of the documents. It's not in your appointment order. It's not in the special counsel regulations. It's not in the OLC opinions. It's not in the justice manual. And it's not in the principles of federal prosecution. Nowhere do those words appear together because respectfully, respectfully, director, it was not the special counsel's job to conclusively determine Donald Trump's innocence or to exonerate him because the bedrock principle of our justice system is a presumption of innocence. It exists for everyone. Everyone is entitled to it, including sitting presidents. 
And this is one of the reasons that Mueller's trying to distance himself from his own report and let it be known the reality that this is, in fact, the Weissman dossier. Mueller doesn't want to have to take this legacy into his retirement, but uh, he's been smeared with it. Regardless, he's not going to be able to pretend that uh, that he you know is innocent in this matter. He he was there when all of these decisions were made. Now he may have been a hands off manager, and he may have turned it over to the team of angry Democrats. But he's got the responsibility, and he's not going to be able to shake this stink off, and he's going to be remembered for uh this for the rest of his uh his life and uh and and in the history books trey gowdy a former federal prosecutor himself and former member of the house intelligence committee and i wish he were still there actually i think he was on judiciary uh had this to say after mueller finished yesterday democrats today though are not closer to impeachment than they were yesterday Uh, No, they're not closer to anything other than wishing this had never happened. Bad facts make for bad witnesses. Bad witnesses make for bad hearings. And this one was an abject, miserable failure. The person who learned the most about the Mueller report today was Bob Mueller. Uh, I I say that sadly. He was not engaged. He didn't interview the witnesses. He clearly didn't write the report, which means those under him did, which means the issue of bias is all the more important. Uh, It it was a terrible day if you were a Democrat. Um, I do want to give them credit for this. They managed to have a hearing without calling a convicted felon as a witness, and I don't want us to overlook that. They managed to have a hearing without calling a convicted felon. He's referring, of course, to you know their their last big star witness that was going to bring Trump down was Michael Cohen, who promptly came who who at that point was a convicted uh, perjurer, felony perjurer, who promptly came into the hearing room and continued to lie, and then they brought in John Dean of all people from the Watergate days who, again, had com- uh, committed multiple felonies, you know, in, in the Watergate scandal, to say, you know, that, uh, that this was even worse than Watergate. He's made a living off the saying that things are even worse than Watergate. He said Iran-Contra was worse than Watergate. In the Bush administration, he accused George Bush of being worse than Watergate. And they dusted him off. So at least Gowdy points out that they didn't bring in another convicted felon trump was uh very happy yesterday and he he summed up um the the death knell of the the whole russiagate hoax despite everything we've been through it's been an incredible two and a half years for our country the administration our president me we've done a great job we've got the strongest stock market the best unemployment numbers the most number of people ever working in the history of our country right now, almost 160 million. Our military has been rebuilt and getting even stronger. Uh, we've done a great job, and we've done it under this terrible, phony cloud, a phony cloud. That's all it was. And they should be ashamed of themselves. Absolutely ashamed. They should be ashamed, but at this point, they, they have no shame. So, you know, even the Democrats uh, were saying, oh, this, uh, this was a disaster and impeachment's dead. And it's awful that uh, Bob Mueller, you know, is uh, 
has lost a step and no longer has its wits about him, I'm not buying it. It makes for great fun to, uh, you know, to ridicule this uh, this old man who has engaged and ruined so many lives and engaged in so much wrongdoing. But he's pulling the wool over everybody's eyes. But hopefully we can move on now and start looking at this uh, the origins of the uh, Steele dossier and this whole uh, wrongdoing by James Comey, Jim Clapper, and John Brennan. We're going to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to catch up on all the news that's been pushed to the back burner right after these messages on Right Now with Jim Dawes. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. This episode is sponsored by schwans.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture. An America First Perspective on the Mojo 50 Radio Network. Well, last night they found Jeffrey Epstein semi-conscious laying on the floor in a fetal position in his New York City jail cell. And he had injuries around his neck that they say are consistent with an attempted suicide. <laughs> I think they need to go about uh, getting Jeffrey Epstein in some sort of uh, isolated uh, situation, some sort of uh, witness protection program while he waits trial. Because this guy knows where all the skeletons are buried with the uh, the elite, our, our betters in Washington and New York City and Los Angeles all the pedophile activity that they've been engaged in. And his his life truly is in danger. So I think that somebody said that it looked like another case of Arkansas, uh, Arkansas. But um, the reason, I, I guess, now that we're talking about the story, uh, that they arrested Jeffrey Epstein to begin with is they're going to uh, hold him in abeyance for the 2020 election and right down the uh, home stretch they're going to dust him off and try to accuse uh, Donald Trump of uh, 
you know, acting with him. And we're going to have to keep in mind that of all of these uh, dis- despicable uh, politicians and, and uh, billionaires that Jeffrey Epstein used to consort with, it was only Donald Trump that actually kicked him out of his property and uh, and refused to ever let him come back. And you don't do that to somebody that has blackmail information on you. But they're going to try to pull a Judge Roy Moore on Donald Trump. You can count on it. That's their uh, their next um, club in the bag that they're going to go after Trump with. So uh, the uh, yesterday started out as a pretty good day on the immigration front. Uh, the uh, the new rules, asylum rules that the administration had promulgated by publishing in the, them in the Federal Register that said that any uh, asylum seeker coming to our border will have had to apply uh, for asylum in the first safe country that they couldn't pass through numerous countries to show up at the United States shopping for the best deal uh, and it was yesterday afternoon that a federal judge in Washington, D.C. ruled that, yes, indeed, the administration did have the authority to, uh, to set that rule. And it, there's no doubt if you read the, the federal statutes, Congress has de- uh, delegated to the president just about absolute power on determining who can and who cannot enter into the United States and he can do that for whole classes of people and he can certainly do do it for uh, asylum seekers and there was a, a ray of sunshine when we heard this but it was only a few hours later that another Obama judge in San Francisco surprise surprise issued a ruling putting a temporary stay on this uh, uh, new asylum rule And it really brings up the question, so you already have one of these nationwide rulings, which are an abomination to begin with, that says that, yes, the president may proceed. And then you've got another judge on the other side of the nation that says, oh, no, he may not. And the one that um, encumbers... The president of the United States is the one that we have to accept. So there's about 3,500 federal judges in the system. So all you have to do is find one of these 3,500 federal judges that will uh, that will stop a presidential order. That is a recipe for an ungovernable governorable state of affairs. If you're you're always going to be able to find one out of thirty five hundred federal judges that will strike down a, a a president's executive order, and the in this case the order upholding the executive order came first. So you can just keep judge shopping, bringing case after case until you find one judge to stop the president and prevent him from doing his job to protect the nation. 
that that is an ungovernable i can't say the word governable situation it completely destroys the executive branch's ability to carry through with its functions can't wage war can't protect the nation can't provide for public safety can't do anything without having every one of 3,500 federal judges nationwide agree with him. It is an absurdity. Well, there's new uh, new information in this Erica Thomas hoax. She is the um, state representative from Georgia vice chair of the democrat caucus in the georgia house of representatives that had a uh, a minor spat with somebody because she brought 20 items to the 10 item express checkout line at the local Publix, and this guy uh eric sparks had the nerve to point out that she was breaking the rules and then, of course, you know, she went on to Twitter and, and had this sob, long crying session where she said that she had been uh, told to go back where she came from and called uh, a lazy son of a bitch and all of this uh, this stuff. Got a million hits. Then she went to follow up on it with a news conference out in front of the local public saying, guess who showed up? Eric Sparks said she was lying and that uh, her description of what happened never, in fact, happened. She immediately started yelling at him and pointing her finger and everything. And uh, and now, as of this morning, let's go to the videotape. Turns out that although this, this uh, surveillance camera footage doesn't have audio, it appears that everything that... Uh, Eric Sparks says is exactly what happened. That he, that she indeed had way more items in an express lane than it was allowed, and that he came back, pointed to the sign that that was a 10 item line, and then Miss uh, Thomas, who gave this cheerful rendition of the uh, the whole incident, starts pointing her finger at him and, and, uh, and, menacing him and and following him out and waving at him so she said on the on the twitter post that you know she was frightened and hurt if you look at this video she is anything but she is an aggressive um loud mouth just exactly as she came off at the press conference and she is waving him out the door pointing her finger at him and now we have a look at the police report as well and the police report says something very very interesting they interview several of the witnesses one of them is a cashier for Publix and he said it was not Eric Sparks who said go back where you came from that he never uttered those words that it was in fact Erica Thomas, who told him to go back where he came from. Oh my God! And if you 
if you want to see that, you can go to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution on the latest uh, story and, and read the details from the police report. It was just exactly 180 degrees opposite from the hate hoax that Eric Tom, Erica Thomas perpetrated on Twitter. And it was just like day before yesterday, she was calling for him to be arrested. So if the Democrat Party of Georgia has one shred of integrity, which they don't, by the way, they would call for Erica Thomas to resign. But they won't because Erica Thomas is a, uh, a Trump-hating cultural Marxist and they run the party right now. Just to remind you well, what she did, here is a clip from that, uh, that uh, Twitter post. People are getting really out of control with this. With this white privilege. And this white man comes up to me and says, you lazy son of a bitch. The hate is real. And for that white man to come up to me and call me a son of a bitch and lazy and go back where I came from because he had a couple items that he wanted to get in front of me. And he said, I had 20 items in a 10 item line. What will make you that angry to yell at somebody like that? Y'all see Elon Omar and y'all see all this stuff about center back and stuff like that. But it's getting out of control. There's so much hate in this world and it's been incited by our president every single day. Yet another hate hoax. They come one after another and each and every time the media falls for it because it... it uh, it bolsters their narrative and they're desperate for these lies to be true and they just can't help themselves so you know I, this this drumbeat just keeps keeps on churning and we've got the squad who who refuses to keep uh keep a low profile they they're doubling down on their cultural Marxism day after day and just recently we found um, another clip of uh, Ilhan Omar and um, this was uh, this was actually last year she uh, she's being interviewed by a Canadian state uh, television station and asked uh, if she thinks it's fair that um that law enforcement monitor radical Islamic groups, and here's what she had to say. A lot of conservatives in particular would say that the rise in Islamophobia is a result not of hate, but of fear, a legitimate fear, they say, of quote-unquote jihadist terrorism, whether it's Fort Hood or San Bernardino or the recent truck attack in New York. Uh, What do you say to them? I would say uh, uh, our, our country should be more fearful um, of, of, of white men across our country because they are actually um, causing uh, most of the deaths within this country. We should be uh, profiling, monitoring, um, and, uh, and, and creating policies to fight the radicalization of white men. Hmm, interesting. White men are responsible for most of the, uh, the deaths in this country. It's not true even though white men are the the largest subgroup 
they are not the ones responsible for most of the deaths. But um, Ilhan Omar, she does, apparently doesn't have a problem with the profiling. She just wants that profiling to be directed at white men and not uh, not radical Islam. And she was on the stage just recently. It was like a TED Talk or something like that. And uh, somebody in the audience asked her if she would uh, come out against female genital mutilation. And she responded that it is not her job to, uh, to come out against that or terrorism or anything else and that she's offended by the question. What's she supposed to do? have to uh, denounce Hamas, denounce terrorism, and denounce a gentle, a female genital mutilation every time she opens her mouth? There's just a little problem with that, uh, that telling is she hasn't ever condemned female genital mutilation or Hamas or terrorism. And if she would just do it one time, then she would be off the hook because she could just say, well, I've already done that. Can we move on? But she absolutely steadfastly refuses to condemn any of these actions when she, when they held that uh, press conference right after Trump said that they could go back. She was asked directly, do you condemn ISIS? And she refused to do it. She said, I ought not to have to condemn ISIS. And here's the the real bottom line is she does not dare condemn ISIS. She does not dare condemn Hamas. She does not dare to repudiate the uh, the Sharia mandated female genital mutilation because she knows if she does she's putting herself in danger. If she were to come out as the elected representative of the Sharia-loving Muslims in her congressional district and say anything negative about Hamas or ISIS or Al-Qaeda or any Sharia-mandated practice, she would put herself in danger. Even if she believed it, she couldn't say it. And I don't think she does. Mm-mm-mm. Here she is um, in a, a clip that they found just uh, recently from a, it's, I think it's a couple of years ago. You know, she's been running around saying she, uh, her home is the United States and uh, and it's insulting for anybody to say that she should return to her homeland and straighten it out before she starts telling us what to do. Well, she was speaking a little bit differently just uh, just recently. In 2016, it's election cycle, and you guys have the ability to make an impact on where our nation is headed, not only here in the United States, but even in our nation back home. But even in our nation back home, our nation back home, she's not an American. She's not here to be an American. 
She's here to be a Marxist agitator from Somalia. Headed? Not only here in the United States, but even in our nation back home. Mm-hmm. So uh, stand by just a second and listen to this brief commercial message. We now know that Google and YouTube aren't just silencing conservatives online. They're also manipulating their algorithms to interfere in the 2020 election. Meanwhile, big mobile companies are taking the proceeds from your mobile phone bill and funding leftist candidates and causes. This includes promoting illegal immigration, abortion, and gun control. You've got only one way to preserve the Constitution and the values that made this country great, and that's by sticking together. This means supporting each other's causes and companies. Leading the charge in this effort is veteran-led Patriot Mobile. With unlimited plans starting as low as $25 a month, you get the same crystal-clear nationwide service with a portion of your bill going to support the causes you believe in. Come on over to PatriotMobile.com today. Switching is easy, and you'll get a free month service when you use the promo code. Come on over. You do have a choice. Come on over today. PatriotMobile.com. That's PatriotMobile.com. Promo code. Come on over. So uh, her uh, Omar's sister in the uh, the Jihad Squad, Rashid Talib. Uh, was highly offended by the notion that Donald Trump wanted them to go back where they came from, fix their home countries, and then come back and show us how to do it. Well, it turns out that Rashid Tlaib herself had sent a tweet in 2015 telling Donald Trump or calling for Donald Trump to be deported. So, once again, it's this double standard, this Democrat double standard, and Ilhan Omar herself was uh, threatening to have people deported who were um, exposing her corruption, her her, uh, violations of immigration law and and tax law and commission of perjury. She was saying that those people, if they weren't happy here, they should be deported. You know, it, it's always if you if you always dig deep enough on these Democrats, you'll find out that they're hypocrites. It was the case with Talib and Omar and Erica Thomas. They project, they accuse you of what they in fact were doing themselves. Now, I'm sure you have seen the last couple of days uh, these videotapes of. Uh, what do they call them, urban youth, the urban youth who have been attacking police officers in uh, in New York City, dousing them with uh, five-gallon buckets of water. In one case, they threw a bucket uh, and hit the police officer in the head. And it is really, uh, it's really um, brought light to the sorry state of society in these urban centers and now we've had yet another one of these instances in new york city where these urban youth have attacked a couple of female officers uh, uh dousing them with pub- buckets of water and if you go online you'll be able to find a, a, that this whole thing is spreading and in the city of atlanta uh, a couple of police officers on patrol were set on by a, a mob of uh urban youth 
and uh and doused so you know we're the the problem is the police have been neutered and they've been um so uh diminished and second guessed by the people that are supposed to support them that they have lost uh the respect of the community and I feel bad for them, especially in New York City. Bill de Blasio is a, a, is a Marxist who has repeatedly denigrated the police and undermined them at every opportunity. But i got to say something, and, uh, and I, I've said this on, uh, on Twitter. It, didn't, it wasn't very popular. Those police officers in New York City that walked away and allowed themselves to be assaulted like that need to be reprimanded. They brought disgrace upon their uniform. They brought disgrace on the uh, badge. And they, uh, they allowed this, uh, this terrible precedent to stand. Now, I know that uh, the reason they did it because they knew that the administration in New York City wouldn't stand behind them. But they are not allowed to show cowardice in the face of an aggravated assault on their persons while they're wearing the uniform. Mm -mm -mm. Well, our uh, new FBI director, who has been suspect from the very beginning, uh, really uh, made an ass out of himself at a Senate Judiciary Committee hearing when he was being questioned by Ted Cruz and Cruz asked him what he was going to do about Antifa and that he wanted them to, uh, to break, uh, to, um, crack down on Antifa as a domestic terror organization. And this is what Ray had to say. Uh, let me turn to a final topic, which is an, uh, an, an area of concern for me, which is the group that has called itself Antifa. Uh, which, which ironically is short for anti-fascism, and yet they engage in the conduct of fascists. They engage in violent protests, masked men and women engaging in physical violence. We saw recently the Rose City chapter of Antifa in Portland, Oregon, that was assaulting citizens, was disrupting traffic, violently assaulted one journalist so severely that he was hospitalized for brain hemorrhage. Likewise, this weekend, uh, uh, Mr. Willem Van Sprossen, another Antifa terrorist, attacked a U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement Center in Tacoma, Washington, igniting a vehicle and attempting to ignite a propane tank. Uh, I am concerned that this is not, these are not isolated instances, but rather this is a pattern, an organization that is engaged in massed, anonymous, violent terrorism. to what extent is the FBI concerned about the threat of violent activity uh, from an organization like Antifa? So uh, we are absolutely concerned about violence committed on behalf of any ideology, any extremism. Uh, uh, And the key there, though, is the point that I think I made in response to a couple of different questions already, which is, again, the FBI doesn't investigate ideology. We investigate violent criminal activity. And if it's fueled by some ideology, then that's how it gets wrapped into our mandate. And so for us, Antifa... Uh, we view as more of an ideology than a, an organization. We have. 
So let's just let that sink in for a second. We view Antifa more as an ideology than an organization. Antifa has chapters in all 50 states and almost all of our big cities. They've got groups online where they coordinate and plan. They have uh, uh, tactics and handbooks that they use to carry out their violence, their street violence. Hell, they even call themselves various chapters of the same organization. And not only in this country, but it's an international far-left communist street um, terrorist group. And Richard Ray, the head of the FBI, thinks they are not actually an organization. Into our mandate. And so for us, Antifa... Uh, we view as more of an ideology than an organization. We have quite a number, though, I should tell you, of properly predicated investigations of what we categorize as anarchist extremists, people who are trying to commit violent criminal activity that violates federal law. And some of those people do subscribe to what we would refer to as a kind of an Antifa-like ideology. We don't think of... So it was just... um I guess it was two days ago that Ray was saying that uh, they have more white supremacy investigations open than anything else. Well, maybe you know why now, because they don't consider Antifa a domestic terror organization. Hell, they don't even consider them a terror or an organization at all. So all these videos that you've seen of these uh, hundreds of um, street thugs carrying weapons, wearing masks, all dressed in black, Attacking, attacking people that are expressing their political opinions. That's not an organization. That's just a group of ideology, according to the director of the FBI. And you wonder why Antifa is being allowed to rampage in the street and stomp all over other people's civil rights. Because federal law enforcement is turning a blind eye to it. And if you can tell me why, I'd like to know. Well, that's about it for today's session. I want to thank you for joining us. Tomorrow we're going to talk about um, Bernie Sanders and his, uh, his... He's now paying a $15 an hour minimum wage, but guess what? He's had to cut back hours. Hey... Isn't that what everybody said would happen? Look forward to talking to you then on Right Now with Jim Dawes. Son, tonight we look after the North Pole while Santa delivers all the holiday goodies. Wooden ponies, dolls, Xfinity. Xfinity? It's only the awesomest internet ever. The whole family can enjoy fast, reliable internet speed and great coverage all at a great value. Plus, advanced security is included at no extra cost with Xfinity XFi and the XFi Gateway. Just log in and activate through the Xfinity app. Choose the speed that works for you. Up to gig. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary, not guaranteed. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details.